Mabuhai, and welcome to More Than Just a Hand with Hand Therapist Blair. More Than Just a Hand is a podcast about hand therapy and sports orthopedic conditions in the upper limb, their management, and more. More Than Just a Hand features experts and leaders in the field of hand therapy and hand surgery and related fitness and health sectors here in Dubai and globally. We also feature patients, real people who have been through it all, here in More Than Just a Hand. And I am your host, hand therapist, Blair. Mabuhay, mabuhay, and welcome, and thank you for joining me for another episode of More Than Just a Hand, where we talk about topics related to hand therapy and more. For this episode, we have our special guest coming from Wisconsin, USA, and she is one of the stellar hand therapists who inspires many, many hand therapists in the U.S. and abroad. She is also an educator and has co-authored chapters in books and published articles in the Journal of Hand Therapy. Currently, she is also the Clinical Development Coordinator uh, at the Hand to Shoulder Center of Wisconsin, located in Appleton, Wisconsin, USA. Everyone, it is my pleasure to welcome Ms. Anne Pureto-Lurke. Again, thank you, Anne, for this opportunity for, for you to be a guest on uh, my podcast. It's really an honor to have you here. Today, we're going to be talking about manual therapy and hand therapy. Before we proceed to the topic, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself? Great. Well, thanks so much for having me, Blair. I'm always excited. To t- I, I love hand therapy, and I love people that are passionate about hand therapy, and that's why I was excited to be part of this podcast. So I know it's a new podcast, right? You just started it? Yes, it it is. It is. Oh, that's great. I'm sure it's been very successful because that's the way people are learning now, you know, whether they're commuting, they're listening to things. And it's been interesting to see how people learn, like new therapists, how they're learning versus how I learned a long time ago (laughs) when I just had books, right? (laughs) So um, a little bit about myself. Um. My name is Ann Pareto Lurkey. I'm a physical therapist and a certified hand therapist. Um, I graduated back in 1994, and it was when we only had bachelor's degrees for therapy. And um, there was a therapist that came in when I was, I think, a sophomore or junior in college, and she was a hand therapist. She was a PT and a hand therapist. And so she introduced us. She did a few lectures on hand therapy, and I was like, oh, I like this. Ooh, this would be really, really exciting. And I was really lucky when I graduated that I had a chance to work with her for a few years. So it really like instilled that that love. I love the mechanics of the hand and upper extremity. I, I love the intricacies and that like there's always things to learn. And I think that's the most exciting thing for me. I love learning. And that's why I love teaching courses. And you you learn so much like from your patients every day. And you learn so much too. Like when you teach courses, you're always looking at the literature, you're looking at the research, you want to see like, is what I'm doing still current? Do I need to change what I'm doing? So what we what I I did, I my husband was in the Navy, when I got out of college, got married, I kind of 
went around to different jobs just following with his career. But then when we settled down in Wisconsin, I got a job at a large hand center. And I've been there now 22 years. And that's been great because I've had a chance to just specialize in hand and upper extremity care. And I got involved in teaching courses. And I I love that piece of it because it's exciting to meet therapists from all over and learn their practice patterns and really help see them clinically problem solve and improve their manual skills. And um, it's kind of neat too, to see like over the course of time, like you'll see new grads coming to a course and then you'll run into them a few years later and say, Hey, you know, that was really helpful. Or, you know, it's, it's really neat to, to have that effect on someone else's life and the lives of their patients. Um, so that's kind of a little bit about me. <laughs> right. Very impressive and inspiring as well. Right now in your practice, how many hours do you work in the clinic? I was working full time up till last year. And now I work like three, it's 10 hour days. It ends up being three 12 hour days. Um, So, and that has allowed me a little more time. I have off on Friday so I can fly somewhere when I teach weekend courses. So it's, but I'm still very much involved in the clinic, seeing patients, using these things that I teach all the time. And uh, part of my job is treating patients. Part of my job is mentoring new therapists. So um, we get together, we have an extensive training program for any new therapist coming into our clinic. So that's been really fun to be able to mentor and see that progression of their skill level. And right now, the mentoring program that you have in your clinic is only in person? In person, yes. But um, I've been teaching a lot more online courses through MedBridge. I don't know if you're familiar with MedBridge Education. I am. um, That's I've been putting a lot of effort into getting more courses out there as part of their hand therapy courses. So that's been a nice way to have that as an adjunct for therapists to be able to log on and look at some of these different techniques. Because when you think about manual therapy, manual therapy is not It is the hands-on piece, but that's a small piece of it. The bigger Mm -hmm. piece is the clinical problem solving. So this systematic approach when you evaluate your patient. So we we think about with our post-op patients that we see in in the hand center, you know, whether it's um, maybe a distal radius fracture or a flexor tendon injury, like we have a systematic approach that we evaluate our patient. We look at right. edema, we look at their wound, we look at their range, depending on what's what's allowed. So, and we do those things and we think about that, you know, it's almost, it's second nature. But when you have someone that, let's say, is a conservative management patient, you have a patient come in with wrist pain or thumb pain. I don't think in general with our training, we are as systematic as we are with those post-op patients. And that's where... Right the manual therapy philosophy and thought process comes into play. So when we think about like, okay, so we're going to go through and we're going to, we're going to look at different structures and we're going to evaluate this. And, and I, I follow the work of Dr. James Syriax. He was a British physician that really helped to give therapists a systematic approach to evaluating their patient. So if you have a patient coming in that say they have wrist pain, So we're going to first evaluate their passive motion, and we're going to look at, is there a problem with the joint? And then we're going to evaluate the soft tissue, so the musculotendinous. We're going to look, Mm -hmm. do they have a tendinopathy or a tenosynovitis? And from Mm -hmm. that exam, we're going to do some special tests. So it's Mm -hmm. very systematic. So the questions we're always asking ourselves, is there a limit? And that limit 
depending on if it's a certain pattern, we call that a capsular pattern. And again, that's from Dr. James Syriax. If the limit, let's say if we're talking about the wrist, is equal Correct. flexion and extension compared to the opposite side, that tells us the capsule has undergone a synovitis and it has shortened in a predictable fashion. And it can happen because of one of three reasons. It can happen right. because of trauma. That could be macro trauma or repetitive micro trauma. So the history is really critical. The second reason, it could happen because of immobilization. And you think about with a trauma and immobilization, those two often are paired together, that they have both. Mm-hmm. The third reason you can get a capsular pattern that is not something we treat as therapists is due to a systemic disorder. So if you right. have patients that you see that don't that come in without MD referral, haven't been screened, and you find a capsular pattern with no history of trauma or immobilization, now I'm going down, now I want to refer them back to that or refer them to a primary care provider or someone to further evaluate. There's something else going on, and I want to ask that patient more questions. Do you have other aches and pains? Do you have other mm-hmm. joint issues that you know just kind of come up? So you look at first, is there a limit? Our, my next question is, is it a capsular pattern or a non-capsular pattern? So what is a non-capsular pattern? That is I hate the definition. It's anything other than a capsular pattern. Like, oh, well, that's clear. <laughs> but Very what that general. means is that it's some, right. There's something else going on in the joint causing the limit that's not the capsule. So, right. for example, if your flexion is limited compared to the uninvolved side and your extension passively is normal, now I've got to think about other things. And the most common thing we see is more due to a scaphalunate problem where mm. the scaphoid has further flexed. The lunate follows the triquetrum into extension and slides down. And then what mm-hmm. happens? A mechanically blocked flexion. So what a non-capsular pattern tells us is that we need to do more digging. We need to do more extra tests. We need to figure out what's going on. I don't want to go in and mobilize that joint because I could be causing more harm because the problem is not the capsule. It's a malalignment causing the right. issue. And that, so, so we start with, is there a limit? Is there a capsular pattern or a non-capsular pattern? Is, if there's no limit, our next question is, if they have pain, where is their pain? So mm-hmm. this is then where we look at, is a soft tissue issue? Is it a nerve issue? We've ruled out a joint problem, and now we're looking at the soft tissue. So that's the thought process or that systematic uh, method that we use when we evaluate our patient. And it comes in handy, especially with our conservative patients, but it also comes in handy with our post-op patients because a post-op patient who no longer has any restrictions is now a conservative patient, really, because you're going right. to follow those same things. Right. So the crux of manual therapy really is the systematic approach. And that's what I tell therapists. I said, you can, whether or not you do the hands-on stuff is not the import, most important piece. The most important piece is the clinical problem solving that led you to what the problem is. Because we want to get to the root of the problem as quickly as we can. And we want to know, is this something we can treat? Or maybe something that we shouldn't treat or, or is not within the realm of our practice. So right. that's really the most critical. So when you think about manual therapy, it's really, it's, it's really what, what you're thinking and problem solving is almost more so than what your hands are doing. 
Right. Because most of the time when we meet patients and when you talk about manual therapy, the the main idea is that there's touch involved. And there, if, there certainly can be, yes. <laughs> yes. And when you when you look at too in the literature, what what's considered manual therapy, they put everything manual edema mobilization, soft tissue yes. massage, um, yes, mobilization with movement, joint mobilization. All of those are lumped, and that's why sometimes too, you know, there's not a whole lot of research to support the use of the actual hands-on. It's hard because everything is lumped together. You can't, right. you don't necessarily, you're not able to separate that all out. And I think that's. One of the, one of the issues why there's not a ton of research to support it. They say it is useful. It's useful, mm-hmm. but it's not specific with which techniques are the most useful. Can you elaborate more on the difference of the manual therapy from just massage? Well, yeah, would you like to elaborate on that? Maybe depending on what you find in your exam, and that's I think the difference when you see a hand therapist versus see a massage therapist, like your hand, a hand therapist is going to go through and systematically evaluate the problem because really, ultimately, we want to get to the root of the problem and yes. help then. So that's going to treat, so your treatments, you want to be lasting versus if you're right. just coming in, oh, I have this, this muscle that's tense and I massage it. Yeah, maybe it'll help for a few hours or a day or two. But if you don't get to the the problem, like if they don't, if you haven't addressed like some of their stiffness at their wrist, why their wrist, where their muscles in their wrist are working too hard, that's going to continue to come back. And, and two, a hand therapist is going to evaluate, well, how are you doing something? Are you, maybe it's, maybe your ergonomics aren't, aren't as good as they should be. And if we can make those corrections, that's going to help alleviate the problem. So I think the, the biggest difference of seeing a hand therapist is they're going to look at the whole picture. They're going to look right. at, try to figure out the cause. They're going to determine what what is the pain generator because sometimes what hurts is not always, that's the end result. It's the result of the problem and not the root of the problem. So right. that's really the biggest difference. Right. Thanks, Anne. I think there's there are several certifications for manual therapists. However, I think there are a lot of therapists that do manual therapy that are very skilled in it that are not necessarily certified. They're, you know, certified as far as as a hand therapist, an OT or a PT, but not necessarily they don't you don't have to have the certification to possess the skill level. So I think if part if when you're looking at shopping for a therapist and they say they provide manual therapy and hands-on, I think that's really what you want to look for versus mm-hmm going to a clinic that they're just going to do modalities, ultrasound, heat, you want to have someone that's going to do some hands-on care. Right. And and for for, for therapists who would like to um, acquire such certification, where would you direct them? That's a great question. So um, there is, like MedBridge does have some resources. They have a certificate program in manual therapy. It's not an in-person, but it's an online. Um, they have quite a few, and, and full disclosure, a lot of those that were the courses that I filmed. So there's a lot of, of the Syriac's approach with that. Um, right. But I honestly don't know how many like across the world. There's there's some in Europe, there's some in the US, but I don't mm-hmm. know of, of specific places where you can get certified doing it um, like with the hands-on piece to have that instructor there. 
who, in your opinion, would be the types of patients who would benefit from manual therapy, enhanced therapy? So patients that have had trauma, you know, just a radius fractures, any kind of um, fall where you end up having a trauma and being immobilized for a period of time, metacarpal fractures, often those need some manual therapy to help restore that mobility. But distal radius fractures is big, not only with improving their motion and flexion extension, but their forearm rotation. There's a lot that can be done at the proximal portion of the forearm, at the proximal radial ulnar joint to help improve motion. Um, Lots of people too, um, looking at any type of a crush injury, like fingertip crush injuries, they will benefit from manual techniques, not only for the joint, but also for the soft tissue to help improve that motion. So there's a lot of different people. And then when you look at the whole upper quadrant, as far as with the shoulder, shoulder, definitely an elbow benefit from manual therapy techniques as well. Because if you, if you don't have the mobility of the joint or soft tissue, it's going to be difficult for that patient to actively move through those ranges. So you think about patients with frozen shoulder, patients with tennis elbow definitely benefit from manual therapy versus to address, is it a joint problem? Is it more of just a soft tissue issue in addressing those restrictions? In your practice, and do you extend your treatment up to the shoulder? Yes, definitely. We want to make sure too that people coming in with hand issues that it's not stemming from the, sh- the cervical spine or the shoulder. But also when we look at ergonomically how people move, a lot of people, they, they forget about using their trunk and their, their sh- muscles around the shoulder blades yeah. that we work on actively engaging those because that then takes the stress off of everything downstream. I think too, with more and more small devices that patients are using, they end up, um, causing like these smaller muscles with your, with you think about with your forearm and your elbow, they're working way harder than the big muscles. The big muscles have taken a vacation and they need to start working more to unload everything as far as with the elbow, wrist and hand. You know, when you you watch um, patients at a desk, like working on a mouse, like the mouse, like takes their whole arm and they're slumped over and you're like, wait, 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 (laughs) we need to get that core stability, get the shoulder blades in a good position so that your your wrist and hand is doing a minimal amount of work instead of all the work. For the patients who are attending hand therapy, should they always expect touch or at least an involvement of, of touch in the treatment session and consider that as manual therapy? I Yes. I mean, you you should have some degree if there is an issue that needs to be addressed that you should have some form of either palpation where they're they're assessing that tissue or then the manual techniques to help facilitate improved mobility if there is a restriction causing the problem. So to some degree you're going to have something. It might not be half of the session or a quarter of the session but but some of the session should involve some manual touch. And it's not always massage. It's no. No, it's yes. not. Sometimes it's it's assessing like joint articulation, seeing how things are moving and evaluating and treating those things. It's not necessarily, I think, yeah, people think it's always massage and that's that's not always the case. Sometimes yes. it is, but but more often it's other things that we're looking at. I I think if you're seeing someone and the problem is continuing to come back again and again, that 
you maybe want to find someone that's that's looking more deeper at the problem because things should be changing when you see someone if they're getting to the root of the problem. So if you're seeing a hand therapist, they that therapist should be looking at the whole picture and seeing what the root of the problem is and not just treating the result. So the the issue that you come in with we need to look back systematically and figure out what's causing the problem. So sure. advice for therapists, don't be afraid to try something new that you read about in a journal article or that you watch in a video that I think we're always afraid that we don't want to do harm to our patient. But what sometimes we harm our patient by not trying these things. So, you know, if you have someone, let's say, that has an underlying um, stiffness in their joint causing their elbow um, to work harder. If you don't address the problem, they're going to continue. And I think we, we, all, we all want to do best for our patients. Sometimes you have to be brave and you have to try it. You're like, well, I'm not sure, but you need to try it. If there's no restrictions, Try those things because that's the only way you're going to improve your skill level and then help those patients moving on. I know um, when I, I used to beat myself up about like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have known that five years ago, you know, but I, now I realize, you know what, you're, you're going to help those patients moving forward and you can't beat yourself up for things you didn't know five years ago, but you've got to be brave and you've got to be willing to to break out of your box, to try something new with patients. And you're going to see that opens the door to a whole bunch of other new possibilities with patients. And, and I think that that's what makes our job fun. It makes it exciting. I've been, I've been a therapist almost 30 years and I still love every day. I learn something from my patients. You know, it's, it's, it's important, I think, for not only our patients, but for ourselves and our own good, like mental health, to be able to have that clinical learning piece, because that I think is what draws us to the therapy profession. We want to help patients. And we love to learn. We're lifelong learners. So don't be afraid to try some new techniques. See what happens. It's very exciting. My, my most favorite thing I get after teaching a course, whether it's virtually or whether it's in person, is I'll get an email saying, hey, Anne, I tried this with this patient. And oh my gosh, it made such a huge difference. Thank you. And I was like, yes, that you tried it. You, you didn't say, you didn't put it back on the shelf and be like, oh, I'm not going to use this. You're like, you know what? This patient, this is appropriate. I'm going to try this technique. And wow, what a difference it made. So that's my advice. Be brave. And you're going to see the benefit from that. Thank you so much, Anne. Those are very wise words and very substantial. And thank you for your time. Um, now, Anne, for those who would like to get in touch with you, where can they reach you? Yeah. I'll, yeah, just at my email is probably best. I am on LinkedIn. You can, you can um, befriend me on LinkedIn. I, I try to uh, post it's usually like every two weeks. I don't post every week or more like some. I'm not that it's like some people are amazing that they can post several times a day. That's probably the easiest because the LinkedIn is where uh, you can message me on LinkedIn and befriend me. That's probably the best way. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you so much. Thank you.
that is all for this episode. Thank you everyone for keeping me company today and I hope that you found this episode helpful and informative. For your comments and topic suggestions, connect with me on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Find out how on my website, visit www.handtherapistblair.com today. And also, click that support button below and share this episode now. Join me again next time here in More Than Just Hand. Once again, this is your host, your Pinoy Hand Therapist, Blair. Wishing everyone a wonderful day at maraming salamat po. Paalam! Paalam!